You've tuned into Growth Point Church, and this is our podcast. Our prayer is that the messages provide an atmosphere for growth and grace in your relationship with Christ and an opportunity for you to gather together in community, whether online or in person. Now let's go into the message. And it says, the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord, arise and go down to the potter's house. And there I will let you hear my words. So I went down to the potter's house, and there he was working at the will, at his will. Someone say his will. Verse 4 says, And the vessel he was making of clay was spoiled in the potter's hand, and he reworked it for another vessel as it seemed good to the potter to do. We'll go verse 3 again. I went down to the potter's house, and there he was working at his will. And the vessel he was making of clay was spoiled, spoiled in the potter's hand, and he reworked it. Someone say he reworked it. He reworked it into another vessel as it seemed good to the potter to do. I want to talk today and lead us in a discussion. I just want to open up your understanding about a topic, discovering God's will on the will. Discovering God's will on the will. Father, be glorified. Take me out of the equation. I'm not smart enough to do it without you. I lean on you, rely on you, depend on you. Oh, clay that I am, you are the potter. Be glorified in this moment and in this time. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Discovering God's will. You know, um, uh, Pastor Brandon, when worship is like that and how it is, you know, um, all I should some, sometimes get up and do and say, may the grace of God, the communion of the Holy Spirit, rest, rule, and abide with you henceforth now and forevermore, you may be dismissed. <laughs> but um, my assignment today is um, twofold. One, to uh, bring some clarity to do some things for you, as well as um, to pastor the people of God. That is my assignment. So no matter how great the praise or how great the worship, which I am both worshiper and praiser, um, God still has a word that he wants to deliver to the people. Um, if we were in the Methodist, they would say the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Um, so I want to, um, can we just, is there anybody that has ever come here? Let's just, we'll just check the room. And you didn't know exactly what it is you needed until you got here? And you left and got in your car and said, how in the world was that directed just for me? That is what our time together comes in worship, leads us into his presence. And then once we get into his presence, he has a word while you're there. So that when you come out of it, you just don't come out with a feeling, come out with a fix. <laughs> we don't want to make sure you have a feeling. We want to make sure you have a fix from God. One of the questions that people ask, I myself included, not just you, are always asking, what is my purpose? What am I here for? What is it that God really wants to do in my life? And a lot of people do many, read many books and attend conferences and do many different things to discover why you're here. And we do different uh, assessment tests and we do different things to discover your gifts and your talents and all that stuff. And those things are important. 
um, but there's nothing uh, worse than living a life not on purpose. Waking up every day, going through the motions, going through different things, and not really discovering why you're here. I would like to argue for a moment that the church, and when I say the church, I'm not talking about Growth Point Church, but I'm talking about the body of Christ. If Larry Reed were here, he would say the bodies of the Christ, but body of Christ would say that we have not done a good job, a great job, of helping you know who you are beyond church titles and positions. We oftentimes only raise up people to be in here, to live well here, to serve well here, and to live aimlessly out there. So oftentimes when people are not preachers, deacons, evangelists, missionaries, personal touch, ushers, greeters, parking lot attendants, children's team, and we do need all of those, um, our children are struggling, we do need teachers, all those types of things, whatever those might be, it's poor for us to raise you up in here to serve a building or a body, but you never learn your body. How is it that we get you to serve the body of Christ but you never learn why you're in your body. How can you serve a people and you never learned you? So we serve out of position, we serve out of need, and sometimes we serve out of obligation. You can be in a building or be in a ministry for years and never know why you exist. We are identifying how I want to, to grab this even more for those of you who think I'm just making up things. A lot of us have no identity outside of a spiritual worth on Sundays. That's why people want you to call them pastor so-and-so or evangelist so-and-so or prophetess so-and-so or if you have a doctorate degree in the Lord's church, doctor so-and-so or praise leader or psalmist. I mean, we have all these different things, the prince of praise, the rose of gospel, all these different things that we say. And oftentimes you are only well celebrated among other people who know your Christianese. So you speak a language in a building that the only people who know what you're saying are people who shout like you, look like you, worship like you, think like you, watch the same YouTube videos you think, share all the different same top 10 preachers that you like and uh, the five preachers of Kentucky, all that type of stuff. We all have the same things. And then the only time we don't talk Christianese, I'm getting where you are, is when we start talking about church hurt. Then when it comes to church hurt, I can't stand them. I can't, all these different types of things because your identity was only wrapped up in this. Jesus said, I come that you might have not church. I'm, I suck the whole air out of this room right now. I mean, y'all were praising and shouting and running, and I just messed up all of our mindset because many of us are only raised to be here, to thrive here, to be successful here. How can you be only successful for four hours or three hours or two hours or one and a half hours once a week? <laughs> 
for the rest of your life? That's all you're living for? Is to serve the people of God? God did not call us to be lights among ourselves. Scripture says, let your light so shine among men that they might glorify who? Not you. Some of y'all love church because you get glory in here. But no one knows you out there. How is it? That many of us, now some of you all, some of y'all are already so worldly, you don't hear anything I'm saying. Because some of you serve in here, but your mind is not here. So if we don't pay you, you don't serve. If you don't have a title, you don't serve. If I don't call your name, you don't serve. So we have to wonder in the balance, are we only doing what we do in here because we have made this a corporate experience? Where it's supposed to be a hierarchy where you serve so long and then you get certain perks and you get certain things or whatever. So you can serve and do all these different things, but never learn who the God is that you serve. The reason that Nike is successful is because Nike is based on a product that has served for years. So everyone who puts on Nike, the, the sales start to grow because the product speaks for itself. Tiger Woods wears it. The greatest, uh, uh, the greatest athlete, not the greatest tennis player, but the greatest athlete of all time, Serena Williams. When she wears something, all of a sudden there's a difference in saying she's the greatest tennis player. She's the greatest athlete, not, not the female athlete. I'm talking about the greatest athlete. Let, let's, let's say it really for real someone say she's a goat you can argue about that with your children but today that's what she is whatever you have a grand slam and then you come talk to me but anyhow but what she puts on the person who puts it on endorses hear this they endorse the product it is because of the person who wears it that all of a sudden you're uh, starting to look and start to say, oh, wait a minute, I want that. I want to know for many of us believers, and I'm going into a series in a few weeks, I'm wondering, are we so busy evangelizing people that we never become the product? I'm saying, are you so good at talk but not becoming? that people don't put on us because we talk better than we put on. Meaning in the streets they would say, you talk a good game. So many of us on Sunday, you talk good on Sunday, but your life does not match your talk. I mean, you speak in tongues, you have a great sweet shout. You're going to come here Sunday and you're going to say he's going to give you a word that you ain't never heard. You're going to shout and do all that type of stuff. But for the last five years, five months, three months, two years, two weeks, your life has never risen up to your words. That's why you struggle sometimes with hearing the word of God because you have not ever received the word of God. You say it's a word, but you never try to walk out the word. So we are out there in the streets telling people to come to a building, come to an experience, come to a church, come hear my pastor, and they're saying, I don't want to meet him. I'm trying to figure out, are you a good representation or are you a hypocrite of the words that you are saying out of your mouth? And as believers, 
I want to argue the fact that many of us know church, but you do not know yourself. So when the word comes and I'm challenging us to grow, you're like, what is growth outside of what I know? So many of us think this is it. This is all there is. So we have praise breaks, but you never have a purpose-filled life. So your worship, your music, your dress attire, your, your, all these different things are based on your history. They're based on your traditions or based on what's been handed down to you. So you do it like they did it. So when someone challenges what you did or what they did, then you call it heresy. Are you called to repeat history or learn from history? Someone told me, I was talking to someone about the word. They said, they ain't going to shout on that one. So I said, Let me, I'm going to ride out this shout for a minute. Because once I get started, they're going to be like, whoo, whoo. Because many of us repeat a history that didn't work in the first place. And you keep saying, I want church to be like it used to be. Why? Because to know, when I'm talking about what it used to be, I'm not talking about the Bible days. I'm talking about some of the days y'all call glory days. How were they so glorious and some of those churches don't even exist anymore? Why is it that it's so holy, but it's only 10 people that come? And the 10 people that are there, eight of them are mean. But we call it holiness and sanctified. So if it's holiness and sanctified, does that mean that God is mean? Does that mean that God is judgmental? Does that mean that God only deals with certain people? Because that's the church many people want to go back to. It's the church that only dealt with certain people. So if you were gay, if you were homosexual, and all these types, those are the things we preached about, but we never preached about adultery. We never preached about how the church was struggling, but the pastor was driving up in the Audi. We never talked about how we shouted good, but we never served the community. We never, there's a water shortage in Jackson. Have we even sent water to Jackson, Mississippi? No, because you got Aquafina and you are okay. But as long as there's somebody who's struggling, that's what the church is called to do. Not shout good, but serve good. Brother PJ, when there was something going on in Eastern Kentucky, was asking who would go with him to go deliver things to another country. I mean, another place in, in Eastern Kentucky so that we could serve. But we didn't want to serve. We want to shout. Is this too much? I'm trying to prepare y'all for Bishop J. Y'all going to shout Tuesday. You might not today, but y'all going to shout Tuesday. That's a promise. <laughs> I ain't called to make you shout. I'm called to make us better. So a lot of us, myself included, I'm including myself as well. Because I remember when I went to Kentucky State University, 400 East Main, Frankfort, Kentucky, 40601. Stayed in McCullen Hall. 
And um, as I stayed in McCullen Hall as a freshman of an HBCU, for those of you who don't know what that is, a historically black college or university, home of the mighty Thorbreds. Thank you, Jesus. Y'all know what I mean. While I was there at Kentucky State University, I remember we used, because <laughs> Guillaume was there. Guillaume's changed now. He's a little more worldly than he used to be. But <laughs> when we were in college, we used to want to be churchy. I mean, we walked around campus like with, you know, I used to wear glasses when I used to think. I, I, mean, I don't even have prescription. I don't need glasses. But I would walk around when I want to look real safe. So I'll be directing the choir in my glasses like, and I get to shout and I would throw them, you know, all that type of stuff. Um, but I remember a specific time I was standing in front of um, Kentucky Hall. Um, and while I was standing in front of Kentucky Hall, we used to have prayer meetings on campus. So one of these nights we had prayer meeting. I don't know what we were praying about, but we were in a circle. And while we were in this circle, all my friends who were saved then, you know, everybody was preaching then. Half of them are not now, but whatever. So they were in that circle praying. After that prayer, this lady came up to me. She's the lady now. She was a student then. Um, she later on became Miss Ken uh, Kentucky State. She came up to me and she said, the Lord had given me a word for you. Now, mind you, I grew up missionary Baptist. I never had experience when someone says a word. I was like Jake, John, Matthew, Mark, you know, Jonah. I mean, what, what are you going to tell you? So I was, I was you know, grab my Bible. You know, we didn't have phones then. We, had, we were paper, paper Bible saved. Some of y'all don't know what paper Bible saved is. Like when you read the Bible, you hear the pages turning. So that's the type of saved I was. So anyhow, so I was standing there. I said, you got a word. And I know what she was. She said, God said. I said, ooh, God, God speaks to people. You know, because in the Mission and Baptist Church, we didn't, we didn't experience word of knowledge or somebody coming to you and say God said something and he said it to a person for you directly. So I was confused on how to receive that thing. And she came up to me and the word was not glorious. Stephanie, I had a hard time because sometimes all of us want to receive words that, you know, you're going to get a car, you're going to get a car, you're going to get a house, all that type of stuff. Sometimes the word will snatch you. Yeah, I don't know if anybody, I don't know if y'all ever, some of you who have received prophetic words, have you ever received a word where they took the microphone away from their mouth and whispered in your ear? And tears be streaming down your face. And, you're like, and you get back to your seat, they were like, what they say? They say, child, it's between me and God. <laughs> between me and God. <laughs> So they, they came up to me and she said, the Lord said, you don't have a clue who he is. And you have only scraped the iceberg of who he is. I said, you, I don't know who God is. I called my mama. Thank you all for serving my mom during this time as well. Her surgery was successful. Thank you all for those of you who've been praying for her uh, during this time. Thank you. I called mama because, you know, I didn't know what to do. Every child calls their mama when something goes on. So I called mama. I said, mama, let me tell you what this ninja said to me. She told me, I don't know God. She said, who? And I said, I told her who she was or whatever. She said, she must not know that you've been in church all your life. She must not know. Mama went through. She read my resume. 
She said, she must not know that you've been playing the piano since you were eight years old. She must not know that you used to be over the children's choir and then the youth choir and then over the mass choir. See, I, I grew. I was hierarchy. I got better. Children. I started with children. And then I went on to the youth and I graduated to the, the mass choir. The mass choir was only 10 people, but it was the mass choir. Don't y'all judge my choir. She said, she must not know that your granddaddy, your great-grandfather was a deacon. She must not know that your daddy is the pastor, and she must not know that you are a PK. I said, mama, she don't know. She don't know me. She don't know me. You don't know nothing about this. I was upset because she had told me something about myself that she must not have known until I got off the phone. And in that dorm, with the lights off, trying to go to sleep because we did not have cell phones to, to distract us from hearing God. Say it one more time. We did not have screens to distract us from hearing. All we had was a dorm and an answering machine. In the dark, in that room, I said, she thinks I don't know God. I know you. I know who you are. And then I said, but what if I don't? What if my identity has been based off what I've done so long that I never learned the God that I did it for? I was a choir director. I was a musician. I was a PK. I was a great church attender. I did Sunday school. I did Bible study. I did all these different things. But what if I did all of that stuff to read off a resume, but never to have a relationship? What if my resume was better than my relationship? So because I said, Lord, maybe I don't know you. And then I said, if I don't, show me who you are. It was not, Harold, it was not a month later that I then went. I was invited by a few friends, two friends. I was invited to the Galt House in Louisville, Kentucky at a Pentecostal Assembly of the World. Mind you, I grew up Missionary Baptist Church. Do not judge me, Hosanna. I, was, I grew up in a Missionary Baptist Church. I went to the PAW Assemblies of the World where Bishop uh, Norman Wagner was the presiding bishop. Knew nothing about bishops. I knew everything about reverence and the pastors of the Missionary Baptist Church. And I, I went to this uh, Assemblies of the World and I was there at this and they had an altar call. I didn't even know what an altar call was because all I knew was come to Jesus in three chairs. That's all I knew. I was there and all of a sudden the altar call, I felt something come over me that I couldn't quite explain. Tears were streaming on my face that I had never experienced before. I did not know why the tears were there, and I did not know why I was feeling the burning sensation that I was feeling. And my friends leaned over to me, the same person who told me, mind you, the same person who invited me was the same person who told me I didn't know God. How is it that I went from offense to being intrigued? How is it I went from being offended by you, but now I started to wonder what was it about God I didn't know? So let me hang out with you. And she invited me to this event. And while I was there, she said, you want to go to the altar call? I said, well, since I'm here, I might as well go all the way. 
went up to an altar call, raised my hands, never knew how to raise my hands because Baptist churches do not raise their hands. They shout, clear out rolls, do not do that. I'm here I am raising my hands. And while I was raising my hand, all I kept saying is, God, whatever you want me to have, I want it. Whatever you want me to experience, I want it. I came here empty. Fill me. That's all I said. I didn't have nothing else but fill me. I don't know what I'm saying. I don't know what I'm asking for. I don't know what I want. But what I do know is what I had must not be working. I got to have more of you. I don't know what it means. I came to the altar call by myself. I did not come with my friends. I did not come distracted. I didn't come on Instagram. I didn't come on Facebook. I didn't make it a live moment. I didn't take a picture of myself. I didn't post it. I didn't say nothing. I did not come for a post I came for purpose I said whatever it is you want me to have I want it my hands went up all of a sudden I felt fire hit my life I felt fire hit my body and all it did was start with a hunger and the Bible says they who hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be filled out of my mouth I went from English to a words I could not explain I could not attribute it to my granddaddy I could not attribute it to my mama I could not attribute it to my to my to my resume but I could contribute it to my purpose and to my hunger I said yes Lord that was the first thing that got me to an experience I had a yes in my mouth a yes in my heart a yes in my soul a yes in my body and he met me at my yes somebody open up your mouth and start with the yes Lord That's what started it. And from that day, I have never been the same. Doesn't mean I haven't failed. Doesn't mean I wasn't the same human. But there was something different about my walk. There was something different about my understanding that said for the rest of my life, I will pursue you. For the rest of my life, I will seek you. For the rest of my life, I will hunger after you. I did not do the things I used to do the same way I used to do them. Because now the Holy Spirit had filled me and conviction came where it used to be pleasure. Somebody say, yes, Lord. It wasn't a convention. It was a convening. It was not a convention. It was a meeting. Oh, if I, if I grab my old people, say I went to a meeting one night. And my heart was right. And something got a hold of me. Is there anybody in the room that can say, you know what I'm talking about? And something grabbed you. Something you can't explain. It might not have been on a Sunday. It might not have been in the church. It might have been in a club. It might have been in a bar stool. It might have been in a car. It might have been while you were smoking. Whatever it was, if there's anybody who's had an encounter with God, make some noises and I know what you're talking about. That's when I went. That's when I went from wanting to be introduced to preachers to being introduced to purpose. That's when I said, I don't care if a preacher knows my name. I want to make sure I got my purpose. I want to know why I'm here. I don't know who I'm talking to. I don't care about people. I don't care about pictures. But I do care about my purpose. I want to know why I'm here. I don't want to be here and just be here. I don't want to grow here and just grow here. I want to know why I'm here. So that when I leave this life, somebody will say he lived on purpose. 
It's not your religion that matters. But your relationship is more important than your religion. You can have a religion and never have a relationship. You can have all of this and do all of this. I haven't even touched my notes. Do all of this and never meet the God of your salvation. Some of us say, I got saved when I was eight, and that's where it stopped. You got saved, but saved for what? And for why? That cannot be the only reason that we exist. Just to talk about salvation and talk about he died on Friday and got up on Sunday. Why did he get up on Sunday? Not say, yeah, 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 three times and shout. No. Why are you here? Will you look at someone and say, I want to know why. I want to know why. So we look at this scripture. Jesus Christ, that was just an introduction. We look, <laughs> we look, <laughs> we look at this scripture and we find that Jeremiah, prophet, who was um, consecrated and ordained as a prophet of that nation, the people, the nation, had turned against God and was wanting to serve idols, interested in serving other gods and interested in doing other things. And God had pronounced judgment on the nation. The reason that it's important for us to know about the nation is because the nation is represented and inclusive of individuals. Individuals make a nation or a group. So let's take it out of the context of a nation and take it out the, to the context of it, um, a word coming directly towards people who influence a nation. You are connected to something. So when we hear words, let's not just always point them to someone else and look within ourselves and say, how does this word relate to what I'm attached to? So the word came, and as the word came, it says that he told Jeremiah, he said, go down to the potter's house. There you will find him working. Mind you, um, Jeremiah had walked past the potter's house many times, but he had never paid attention to what he was walking by. Because at that time, pottery was, and being a potter and the clay, of the clay was very, um, um, it was a part of their culture. So that was something normal that they did. Uh, that was a very, uh, it was industrious where they would make um, uh, pots and they would make um, artifacts and they would make uh, things that we used to eat and all these different things. And so God finally told him, stop walking by something. I want you to watch what you walk by. Which is to say, you can walk by things and never watch it and pay any attention to it. He said, I want you to slow down for a minute and watch what you're walking by. And he says, when you look, you will see him working on the wheel. He saw him working on the wheel. And as he looked at him working on the wheel, he started to learn some things. And God said, lean in and let me show you something. He said, I want you to see how this thing is forming. And Alexis, I say that it's very important because many of us want to learn our purpose or think that our purpose is developed in stillness. Sometimes your purpose is revealed in messiness. Yeah. 
We think everything needs to be clear and still and clean for God to start doing something. Sometimes God will start to develop you in messy situations. So God was showing him, I want you to see how you will learn to discover my will on the wheel. He watched him. And as he watched him, he said, the first thing I want you to notice about that thing, Pastor Brandon, he said, look at that. He said, what do you notice first, Jeremiah? He said, I'm noticing that the clay is available. I noticed that it's there. You know, the first thing you're qualified in order, in order for you to really get delivered, the first thing you got to do is just be there. Just be available. If we go over to Genesis, we find out that the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the earth. And out of the dust of the earth, he breathed into man and made him a living soul. He was available. The dirt was available. Have you given God your dirt? I know you want to give God what's clean. But have you given God what's dirty? What hasn't been cleaned? The part of you that no one else knows about. God made Adam out of the dirty part of him, not the clean part of him. You're not qualified when you're clean. You're actually a, a candidate while you're still dirty. I'm talking about come because a lot of times with church, we do a poor job of this. We tell people to fix everything before we meet Jesus. So if you fix anything, but if you fix everything before you meet Jesus, then what's his purpose? I came to Jesus like this. And because I came to him dirty, I found cleanness and wholeness in him because I could not find it in me. God reached into the dirt. He formed man and he made him a living soul. God can breathe life into your dirt. No matter how dirty it is, God can breathe in it. Someone say, God can breathe in it. I don't care how messed up you are, God can breathe in it. I don't care how messed up the situation is, God can breathe in it. I don't care how long it's been, God can breathe in it. Someone say, God breathe in it. God breathe in it. Sometimes all you need is breath. God, God told another prophet over in Ezekiel, he told him, look over there at those bones. He says, can those bones, whoo, Jesus. He said, can those bones live? And Ezekiel, he looked back, he said, I don't know, Lord. You know, that's the perfect answer. I don't know, but you know. Can somebody just say, I don't know, but he does. That's the first thing. He said, I don't know about it, but you do. And God said, since you pointed it back to me, speak to it. And when you speak to it, I will bring the breath of life back into the thing that you speak into. And the thing you speak into will rise up and form an army. I want to ask you, when is the last time you spoke to something instead of fussing at something? He said, speak into that dead situation. Speak into those bones. And out of what you say, I'll add my breath to it. He added his wind to it and it formed an army. God took Adam out of the dirt because he was available. Looked at that clay. He said, it's available. It's there. Don't you ever let anybody put you down 
because all you've done is show up. If you showed up, that might have been the that might have been the hardest decision you ever made was to just show up was to just push past yourself just to push past your family just to push past your environment just to push past your generational cycle just to keep showing up and I want to tell you brothers and sisters if you keep showing up God will too if you keep showing up God will show up for you showing up is the first step being available if you want to know God's will be available just come, like I said, I came to the altar call with my hands up. I was just available. After that, the next thing was, he said, what else do you see, Jeremiah? I'm trying to walk this word the best I can. He said, look, he said, what else do you see, Jeremiah? He said, well, I'm looking at this situation. And I see that he keeps turning it. Now, you have to understand, according to the culture of the time, when they used to make clay and when they used to form it, they used to start with their feet before they started at the top. So when they had it at their feet, that means they would be pressing on the clay. They would have the clay under their feet, patting it down and pressing it, working out the lumps. Some of y'all leave right here because some of you are going through situations that God is just pressing you down and working out all the lumps. And he's got his foot on you. And you don't like God's foot on you because it doesn't feel easy. It doesn't feel comfortable. When God is pressing things out of you that don't need to be there. When God is working stuff out of you that's not supposed to be there. Friends that you thought that was supposed to be there, he's got his foot on that. And he's trying to say, no, 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 no. You can't have that no more. So I'm putting my foot on it. Is there anybody that can be honest right now and say this season, God's foot is on me. He ain't trying to crush me, but he is trying to crush that. He ain't trying to crush me because he loves me too much, but he's trying to crush stuff that's in the way. Somebody say his foot's on me. His foot's on my life. That's why I can't do it. I used to do that's why I can't think the way I used to think that's why I can't operate the way I used to operate because his foot's on me his foot's on me he's trying to work something out of me so he can get something in me he's trying to work something out of me so he can get something in me I know I'm preaching better than you're receiving because some of you are having a hard time because it's uncomfortable but it's only uncomfortable because you were too lumpy too much lump he said, but I'm noticing that the clay hadn't gone nowhere. He said, well, what did you notice about that? I noticed that the clay was not just available, but the clay is agreeable. Do you agree what God is doing in you? Or are you arguing with what he's trying to work in you? There are some people who will say, I don't like what God's doing. So because I don't like it, I never allow him to finish it. So I leave what he's doing because I don't agree with it. God is not interested in your agreement. He, I mean, he's not interested in you always understanding it. But he is interested in you agreeing. Come on, uh, Jesus. Jesus said, if it be your will, will you let this cup pass from me? He says, nevertheless... I agree that what you see for me is best than what I see. What I have learned is that even though it's painful, I agree with it. Because I would rather be under your foot. You better preach this message. 
I tell you, I cash up your life right now. I tell you. See, that's why I love Growth Point. I'd rather preach here than anywhere else because y'all talk back to a preacher. This ain't Episcopalian like the other churches I go to. But I'm trying to tell y'all, you got to be to the point that you say, I would rather be in God's hands. I would rather be under God's foot than be under somebody else's uh, uh, jurisdiction or somebody else's hand or someone else's purpose. Stop putting all your trust in somebody else's foot. I don't care how nice it looks. I don't care how nice it looks in the shoes you like. If it ain't God's foot, you can't trust it. Because people will turn from working for you and to working against you. People will turn to, from being for you to being against you. They'll do it. I don't know. Maybe I'm not talking to the right church. Maybe this is not the wrong pe the right people. But if you would be honest, there are a lot of people who talk better than they do. But God's foot can be trusted. Someone say God's foot can be trusted. How do I know this? It's because the earth is his footstool. The whole world is under his foot. The whole world. He ain't just working on you. He's working on me at the same time. I ain't the only one that's being purged and the only one that's being developed. Can somebody lift your hand and say, he's working on me too. And that's a good place to be when you look at others and say, he's doing something in you too. Under his foot. I'm agreeing with that. Then, last thing, I'm through really, last thing. He says, I noticed that the clay is available. I know that the clay is, I know that it's agreeable. But what I learned, Miles, is that it's all also adjustable. Because it says, Pastor Guillaume, Pastor um, um, Brandon, and all the other pastors. No, Pastor Beyond, Pastor Brandon, can you come up here? And Deacon Strolling, can you come up here too? Let's call all the five, four minutes. All y'all come up here. <clears throat> I want y'all to get around me in a circle. Get close. And I want y'all to start turning me around. Now, y'all be careful with me because I'm precious cargo. <laughs> he says, the clay is available. The clay is agreeable. Now start pushing me around. He said, but I noticed something. <laughs> See, when you find out who has something against you after a while. <laughs> he said, the clay, I noticed something about the clay. The clay is spoiled. The clay is marred. What does it mean? Somewhere he found a defect in the clay. So he says, in order for me to get what I see, I'm going to have to make some adjustments. Now, Brandon, now, look, now I'm wondering. <laughs> Let me see. Danielle, you might not have a baby daddy. <laughs> he says, I noticed that the clay is sparred and moil and, 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 and marred. So I have to make, hold this part, I have to make another clay. I have to make another work. Now, the reason that I'm having them turn me around is because sometimes when he's working on you, you can't be still. Because while you're working on your family stuff, he's working on your finances. While you're working on your finances, he's working on you at your job. While he's working on your job, he's working on you with your children. 
When you get your children together, then he's working on you with the church. When you're working at the church, he's working on you with your business. And he's doing all these things, working on many things at the same time. It's not just one thing. It's many things that are going on at the same time. And I want to know, is there anybody in the room who could be honest and say he's doing a whole lot of things at the same time? And I'm having to learn how to adjust to what he's doing. And it's uncomfortable because people call it unstable. I'm not unstable. I'm just being adjusted. I'm not unstable. I'm not schizophrenic. I'm not bipolar. I'm just on the wheel. And being on the wheel is uncomfortable for people who like to be comfortable. Being on the wheel is an adjustment for people who like to figure out things. And being on the wheel causes anxiety for people who want the script. God doesn't give you the script, but he does give you a will. God is not interested in giving you the order of the program, but he's wondering, can you adjust when I shift? Can you adjust when I change? Can you adjust even when you're dizzy? Can you adjust? Somebody say, he's adjusting me. It's uncomfortable. Hold on, go one more time. Not only is it uncomfortable, but it's lonely. Because he can only work on one clay at a time. So, Don Trees, this ain't the friend wheel. This ain't the fan wheel. This is the adjustment wheel. And matter of fact, when I get off this wheel, you might not be a part of the plan no more. When I get off this wheel, you might not be a part of this. Because if you can't stay with me, while I'm being adjusted, you can't be with me when I get out of this thing. If you can't stay with me while he's working on me, you can't celebrate with me when the process is through. So if you can't be patient, you ain't a part of my purpose. Talking about me because I'm adjusting. Sharing screenshots because I'm adjusting. Meeting with people at your house. Drinking wine and Moscato because you don't like what he's adjusting in me. It ain't about what you like. It's about what he's called me to. I didn't like who I was, so I was available for the will. I was available for this thing. I didn't like what I was. I didn't like how I was. And this is uncomfortable. And I don't like it. And I miss you. And I want to hang with you. And I want to date you. And I want to marry you. And I want to go out to dinner with you. But right now, I'm on the wheel. Right now, I'm being adjusted. Right now, he's working something. Right now, he's going through something. Right now, he's taking my mouth. Right now, he's changing my language. Right now, he's changing my habit. Right now, he's changing me. I can't be a wife until I learn to love myself. I can't be a husband until I learn to love myself. He's adjusting me. It's lonely. Musicians, I'm finished. But I'm not going to learn his purpose if I don't stay on the wheel. I'll never learn who I'm supposed to be if I don't stay turning. Thank you for your prayers and generous support that grant us the opportunity to do ministry. Now this connection doesn't have to end here. 
Visit our website, engage with our social platforms, comment, review, screenshot, and share your growth with others. And until next time, keep growing.